Hello, welcome to the Horror Podcast Episode 2. Today we'll be discussing three poems that will lift you up from your seats. And we assigned you all short stories to read, so hopefully you can answer our questions relating to them. And lastly, you got your roles and situations on Tuesday, so I hope you all prepared well for that. If your classmates can guess who you are or like what is happening, then of course you're free to break character. But don't worry, your grades will not be affected if the class can't guess who you are. So before we officially begin, why don't you say hi individually to get into character? Should we start with Craig? Uh, hi guys. Okay. Not Snow. Hey. <laughs> okay, Liam. Oh. Hi there. Hi there. Okay, Sydney. Oh, hi. Okay, Matthew. Uh, you're sup. Okay, Isa. Hi everyone. I'd like to advise you all to look behind you, make sure no one's watching you. Particularly you, Aldrian. I think someone's watching behind you. <laughs> okay, Jared. Pungloy muglo na afsulur dia. Waga nagof talon. Please help. Please guess who I am so that I don't have to keep this up. Wow. Okay. Um, Aldrian. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, then good morning, sure. Good morning. Um guys, a little more energy, please. Um I know it's 10 in the morning now, but I would like it if we'd have a little bit more energy for this podcast meeting. Um you can continue, group. Oh my, okay. So now let us officially begin horror podcast 2. Okay, so to start, let us go to page 211 for our first poem. She was a Phantom of Delight by William Wordsworth. This is one of the most killing love poems we have for today. It has a really sweet ending. So, do you have any volunteers to read the poem out loud? No one? Okay, I'll call a name. Um, can Sydney please read the poem for us today? Thank you. She was a phantom of delight when first she gleamed upon my sight. A lovely apparition sent to beam moments or minutes. Her eyes as stars of twilight fair, like twilight's to her dusty hair. But all things else about her drawn from May time and the cheerful dawn, a dancing shape and image gay to haunt, to startle and waylay. I saw her upon nearer view, a spirit yet a woman too. Her household motions light and free, and steps of virgin liberty, a countenance in which did meet. Sweet records, promises as sweet. A creature not too bright or good, 
for human nature's daily food, for transit, for transient sorrow, simple wild, grace, flame, love, kisses, tears, and smiles. And now I see with eyes seared the very pulse of machine, a being breathing thoughtful breath, a traveler between life and death. The reason firm, the temperature well, the temperate well, endurance, foresight, strength, and skill. A perfect woman, nobly planned, to warn, to comfort, and command, and yet a spirit still and bright, with something of angelic lights. Thank you, Sydney, for that. Uh, before we interpret the poem, does anyone know what a phantom is? Anyone can unmute. We'll give you extra points for this. No cap. Guys, please participate more. I'd want you to um, share your thoughts more. Don't give them such a hard time calling people. Right, Phantom right. oh. Okay. Oh, Isa raised her hand, so... Uh, I would just want to give her that uh, priority first. So, Isa, you can take the floor. Uh, yes. uh, a phantom is like an apparition or a ghost. Alright, very good. So, uh, the dictionary definition, yeah. It's a, a phantom is a supernatural being. It's not of this world. It doesn't belong in this world. It could be an angel, a ghost, or something demonic. So, very good answer. So, let's start with the first stanza. So, the first question is, who is talking in the poem? So, anyone can answer again. Uh, so, I'll just call some... Oh, Matthew? Okay. Matthew. Uh, I think the poet is uh, speaking in this poem. Alright, very good. The poet is speaking in this poem. Alright, so, next question is, how does the poet describe what he sees? Or how does he feel when he sees the phantom? Her. All right, Aldrian. Um, whenever he sees the phantom, he feels delight in himself. Uh, could you repeat that one more time? I didn't quite get it. Um, whenever he sees it. In the first stanza, whenever he sees the phantom, he feels delight in himself. Alright, very good. Uh, good job. So, the... That is the correct answer. So, very good, guys. So, in the beginning, we see, in his first time meeting her, he described her as she was, like, she was a magic. And she was a phantom of delight. He was very blown away by her. Just like how I'm blown away by everyone in this podcast right now. You're all amazing people. <laughs> wow, okay. So, continuing on to the second stanza. Does view of the girl change here? Here in the second stanza. Does his view of the girl change? Does anyone want to answer? Okay, so I'll call a name if no one will answer. So, um, Sandra. Does his view of the girl change here in the second stanza? Um, his view does not change. Actually, um, his view does change because after being together, 
he sees her na not as like this phantom or angel, but like as a human being. Do you guys get it, Ra? Like after being together for a while, he sees na something human about her. So does this make him love her more or does this make him love her less? So let's call Liam staring right to our souls. So I think that what's this? Like his this like he still he loves her more because like she now I mean he now realized that she's human. Yes, you are correct. Very good, Liam. Okay, so to end the second stanza, how does like it end? How does he? So he saw her at the beginning when he first met her. It was she was this phantom of delight, and later saw her as a human. So how does he conclude the poem, guys? How does he end the poem? What's his conclusion? Um, before we answer, you know, before we answer that question, I, I want to ask Lang, like, if um, for you guys, did that ever happen? I, I would want to know if you experienced that, no, when you first meet someone where you're kind of like, oh my, like, they're so mysterious and there's something so special about them and you're kind of comparing them to a phantom. And not just a phantom, guys. I mean, a phantom, it's kind of like a ghostly spirit, but it's a phantom of delight. So it's not like he saw her and he was scared. He saw her and he he kind of it, it was kind of like she was this supernatural being, but um of delight. So it's more of like um something angelic. Alright? Um and I want to know, like, do you did you ever have that where you see someone and you're like, more oh, they're they're extraordinary good. But then you get to know them and you feel like they're more you get to know them as a human being as time goes on. Um, Sige, Isa is volunteering na. Sige, go, Isa. So, before I say my answer, i just like to ask Aldrin, Adrian, are you sure there's no one behind you? I think you should check. Now, on to my answer. Yes, I kind of did experience something like this. Where, like, I met someone and this person was like, he seemed so perfect and so smart and so amazing but then later on the more you get to know the person the more you see the humanity and how sometimes you can have faults also and then is in this experience did did you like the like Murag, did you prefer your first view of him as kind of this perfect being or did you prefer seeing the faults and the cracks and all of that i preferred the second is that way he seemed more relatable very good. No, and that's the whole point, good of she was a phantom of delight, guys. No, that's the whole point of it, good, where um his first view of her was this perfect being. Um, but then he, when he got he got to know her as a person, and if you really reread the poem, there are so many nice lines there, good nga. Um, a fellow pilgrim, um, someone to comfort and command. So um, it's a very beautiful poem, and uh, kinda, you can answer the question uh, no, of Julianne when she said, um, how does he end it? How does the poet end it? If that's how he kind of talks about um, her so far, how does it end? And why is the ending particularly um, kilig? Sige, go. Sige, volunteer, volunteer. I want to see hands. Okay, I think Aldrin raised her hand. 
Al, do you want to answer? Um, yes, and in answer to Isa's what Isa told me, I'm not sure if he's here. I think he. So, in answer to Teacher Isa's question, I think that the last two lines are important. Is because even though he sees the faults in the girl, he still gets to love her more, and especially by this line with um, praise, blame, love, success, tears. Very good, Aldrian. So, guys, the poem ends that he sees her as a human, but there's still that very special thing about her. She's still more than a human to him, even though he views her as a human. So, she'll always be out of this world for him. Char, so can like the ending, right? Super. Yeah. Like. Okay, I'm first, it's actually similar not to what Isa said. I mean, if you even go with just Isa's experience, she says that she saw that he was a human, but Murag, even though she sees he's a human, she sees his faults, there's always going to be something in that person that is still mysterious and that is still perfect and that is still angelic, no? So um, it, it brings us back to the beginning, to the first moment he saw her, he never lost that first moment he viewed her good. He will always kind of feel that way about her, even though he got to know her so well as a fellow human being. So, yeah. So, um, take over. Nanya was going to say something. No, Nan, you can add something. Or Jillian said, go. Thank you, Chair. So, like, it's all sana all. Like, this is why this is one of the most killing poem guys. But also with the horror element na she was a phantom. Okay, now quickly, can four people please try to find connection with their assigned stories and the phantom of delight? Also, please give a brief explanation to the class about the story you read. If no one will volunteer, I will be calling on four people. Okay, Craig, you go. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> um, so we will relate our story to the poem, right? Yes. Okay. So, uh, in the story, in the poem, it says like the girl is like a phantom, right? And then a phantom is like out of this world, and it's like scary and demonic and stuff like that and then in in my story it's like about uh three kids and then they went to an to, to a restaurant and then they found a suit there like a a golden bear suit and then uh one kid went inside the suit and then he died and he was never found again so yeah, I just relate that to like the phantom, you know. Very good. It seems you have understood your story well. Okay, Liam, you go next. So like my star I think my story as this is like sort of related to what's this the poem that you read because like just to give an explanation of my story. Um, there is this girl who wanted to be beautiful and then so but then she's ugly so like that's sort of related to the phantom and then um, 
but so she was walking down and just walking down an aisle and then she saw an as this Eleanor just a robot and then what's this she wanted to be beautiful and then what's this and then what's this the robot what's this made her beautiful and then what's this um and then that's also what happened to the girl in the poem she she became what's this more beautiful so yeah Okay, very, very nice. Now I need two more people to talk before we continue on. Anyone at all? It's okay, I will start calling people who haven't been participating uh, a lot. I volunteer as tribute. Okay, go Jared. <clears throat> okay, so my story is about uh, about a boy and, her, and his sister. And this boy is very, very like he bullies his little sister a lot and then one time when it was uh i believe it was his sister's birthday they went to the the freddy's pizzeria so and then there was a there was a little toy freddy there and like when okay okay first there was uh the boy and the and her and his sister was like he was they were fighting and then like a little toy freddy was there and the uh the toy freddy was like it it like spoke like little conversations but then it suddenly just started to speak very very disturbing very like started to like very very disturbing topics and then after it stops asking the the brother questions it's uh the brother realizes that the toy's eyes glow and then the brother begins to lose control of his body he tries to scream and like try to break free or something and then then after a little bit of time passes. Once he gets control again, he heads towards the door of the room. But everything seems bigger this time. So when he gets out of the room, he realizes that that he's in the toy bear's body now, instead of his his own body. And once once he sees himself in the mirror and realizes that. He's trapped inside a lonely Freddy, like the lonely Freddy's body. The an employee of the pizzeria then throws him in, like the throws him into a dumpster filled with other lonely Freddy, Freddy's, and locks him in. And as he tries to scream, he soon realizes that the screams aren't only coming from him but other toy Freddy's with souls stuck inside them. So. To relate this to the poem that we discussed, I think one of the like like lessons here is like never judge a book by its cover. So like in the poem, she may be just like an ordinary human being to to you, like to anyone who doesn't know her. But then once you get to know her, you know that there's like something special about her, and it's. It's almost like 
the same thing as like the lonely freddy because like well if you look at it at first glance then you would just look at it as an ordinary toy that's been like that's been used a lot and now it's just for display but then in reality it has some weird powers something like that another thing no um i i another thing i i would want to mention is that um what jared said no it's interesting what he said um in that he kind of connected the way the poem was written to the way his horror story was written um where things aren't what they seem so um both both pieces of literature i think did that well where it kind of um it kind of presents something to you and then uh it it reveals that things aren't what they seem and that's even interesting to take into horror no i mean it worked for a love poem where um it seems like it's the, um this girl is the supernatural thing but then if you get if you take a, a look closer she's very human the eye um and that's also interesting to apply to horror no like um and it's just something to think about where in horror what's more terrifying for you if there's this supernatural force that we can't fully understand and it's out to get us or if you take a closer look at the monster and find that it's actually very human and um there's a lot you can relate to in that monster it's just interesting to think about like um what what is more horrific for you when something is less human or more human like when a monster or whatever it is that's trying to scare us if it has more or less humanity what is more terrifying i think that's very very interesting because it worked for a love poem no? the more human she was the more killing it was what about for horror like if something is more human does that make it more or less terrifying um that's just something to think about no i'm um, interesting to consider that okay um and then we can move on um the group i would want you to um prioritize indian serenade before destruction of sennacherib um do lang sa indian serenade and then if we have time we can do destruction because um i i'd prefer nga we dedicate our class to indian serenade we are now at the indian serenade by percy bish shelley page 212 so a little fun fact about percy shelley is that he is the husband of mary shelley do you guys know the story of frankenstein i think we're aware that frankenstein is a classic well lord byron actually hang out with percy and mary shelley they had a competition where the best horror story wins Frankenstein was what Mary wrote and it was inspired by her miscarriage. That's because losing her baby, her husband Percy started to drink so much. Frankenstein was like her pain. By the way guys, this is Cherang's fave poem so let's not run it for him and we have to make him proud. Do you want to read the poem for us? I arise from the dreams of thee in the first sweet sleep of night. When the winds are breathing low and the stars are shining bright. I arise from the dreams of thee, and a spirit in my feet has led me, who knows how, to thy chamber window, sweet, the wandering airs thy fade, on the dark, the silent stream, the champak odor fails, like sweet thoughts in a dream, the night niggles complaint, it dies upon her heart, as I must die on thine. O beloved as thou art, O lift me from the grass. I die, I faint, I fail. 
that thy love in kisses rain on my lips and eyelids pale my cheek is cold and white alas my heart beats loud and fast oh press it close to thine again where it will break at last Okay, thank you for reading that for us. So this poem is a very challenging one, so let's go through it slowly. So first, how does the poem start off? What does the guy, what does he do like in the first part, Jude? Does anyone know this is a very easy, this easy one? Okay, Craig, what does he do? Uh, he wakes up. Yes, correct. He wakes up from... Why does he wake up, Craig? Why does he wake up? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of a dream. Um, okay, a dream, a specific dream about what? What did he dream about that woke him up and made him rise from his bed? Read it out loud, Kuno Craig. Re- read the first lines out loud. Uh, I arise from dreams of the... In the mm-hmm. first sweet sleep of night. Okay, very good. So, I arise from dreams of thee. So, who was he dreaming about? Uh, a girl. Very good. So, he dreamt about the girl. And because of his dreams about the girl, he wakes up. Okay, and then what else does he do? Continue on with the, with the line. With the, with the poem. Or someone else can take it from Craig now. So Craig said he woke up and then Sydney. He walks through the beautiful Indian night to his beloved's window. Very good. So he goes to where does he go? He goes, he goes to, to her chambers. Very good. So he, he wakes up and then he walks towards her window. He walks towards her. Okay. So again, continue. Leaders. So he wakes up dreaming of her and he takes himself to her room. So what is happening in the second stanza? Uh, it says here, the wandering airs they faint on the dark, the silent stream, the champak odors fail like sweet thoughts in a dream. That's the first part of the second stanza. So does anyone want to answer this question? What is happening here? Extra points. Anyone can answer. So, yeah, and then guys, you know what helps, guys? Um you read the line. Um like um you you raise your hand or if you're called, read the lines out loud. For while you're reading it, you'll be thinking at the same time. Alright, so I'll just call someone along. So, Snow, what do you think is happening in the second stanza? The wandering airs they faint, on the dark the silent scream, the jam-packed odors fail, like sweet thoughts in a dream. So I think the boy and the girl faint like in darkness, and it feels like calm. The place seems like pleasant to them, or calm to them. You're close, but not exactly. So, um... You were pretty close when they said fainting. It's something mm-hmm. close to that. Does anyone else want to take this from him? Does anyone want to go off of that? The clue that some something close to fainting. 
um, pay attention to the image you guys used, no? Um, I think Snow actually he's on the right track, no? Um, where he said that Murag, there is kind of like a fainting, there is kind of like a, a weakening. All right. So um, reread that line and then pay attention to the symbols that are being used and what these symbols are pointing to. All right. So I'll just call someone else. Uh, Matthew, what do you think is happening here? Close to fainting. That's one thing that you, you can really remember. Uh, I think that when he went to the chamber, he saw her faint or something. No, but you're really on the, uh, you're going a bit off the rails. It's not, it's not, it's not happening to the girl. Something's happening to him, to the, the guy himself. Okay, um, he's slowly, slowly dying or something like that, I think. All right, very good. He's actually, uh, dying. He's, uh, yeah, he's dying. So, the next question is yeah um guys that whole second section oh i mean it, it, he doesn't outrightly say it but the symbols are of the odors failing the sounds dying and it's very clear and i think even the two who answered got that picture no where um something was losing life all right um neither of you just took it far enough and say that um it was death no and um matthew thought it was the girl who was dying but it's actually the poet so the first line is him sleeping and waking up because of dreams of her and him walking towards her her window okay i'm um, late at night and the second part is him actually actually dying good um and again it doesn't say it outright but it, it's very heavily implied with with the imagery and the symbols used and then again similar to the first poem no the ending for me is really what Kind of slays the entire um, poem. Good. So yeah, continue. So again, on the second stanza, uh, what I who knows what the last two lines here mean? It says, "As I must die on thine, O beloved, as thou art." So anyone again? So I'll just call someone. Uh, so Craig, what do you think is? What do you think this means? He wants to like die like on 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 her side. Yeah. yeah. Um okay. so Craig, read it out loud, no read the poem, okay? Um when you're thinking, it, it's good if you read the lines again. I think that's something we learned, guys, in this in this live class. If you're asked a poem if you're asked a question about poetry, give yourself time to think by rereading it out loud for us. Like Snow did it Ganina no he read it out loud and and Murag it was nice. Nga? He was able to think through it. So read those last few lines good. Um if he died in the middle of this poem, what happens in the end of this poem? Okay, so, so reread the lines, Craig, and then you can re-answer. Okay. Although your 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 answer was right, nga? he wanted to die by her side. But then, I think if you read the lines that you're trying to interpret, you will get a better idea of what's going on. The nightingale's complaint, it dies upon her heart, as I must die on thine, O beloved, as thou art. Guys, we should move on to the final stanza. Um, because we said, Banonga, the second stanza was about um, him dying. 
And then it was an unsatisfying death for him because he didn't die by her side. So move on to the third stanza. Can someone read it out loud and then tell us what um, it means? All right? Again, who wants to volunteer for that? The final stanza. Read it out loud for us and then tell us what it means and how does it connect the entire poem. Okay, let's call Isa maybe. Go, Is. Oh, lift me from the grass. I die, I faint, I fall, I fail. Let thy love and kisses rain on my lips and eyelids pale. My cheek is cold and white, alas. My heart beats loud and fast. Oh, press it close to thine again, where it will break at last. So, um, as he's dying there on the grass, I think, um, Okay. Um. So, can I guys not think about it? Okay. Um. You know, he is dead. Nagyud. He has died already. And then he said, "Oh, lift me from the grass. I die. I faint. I fail. Let thy love and kisses rain on my lips and eyelids pale. My cheek is cold and white. Alas, my heart beats loud and fast. Oppress it to thine own again, where it will break at the last. So, he if he dies in the second stanza." What happens to him in the third stanza? And particularly, your clue for this, guys, is it connects to the first stanza. What happens in this final stanza? Because, I mean, where can you go from there? I mean, if you die in the second stanza, what, what is there to do in the third stanza? I'm not sure if my answer is correct, but is it like, um, since it teacher said that the clue is that it connects to the first stanza. It's like he dreams again, even though he's dead, he dreams of the woman he loves again. Um, good. Adrian, right track, no? So if in death he still dreams about her, then what does he do? What happened to him in the first stanza when he was dreaming of her? Adrian, if, 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 in the first stanza, we, he was sleeping and then he dreamt about her. In this final stanza, he's dead and he's dreaming about her. So what happens? Um, he goes to her chamber window. Yeah, so w then what happens if, if he's dead and then he dreams about her? W what happens, man, throughout it? Like, Matthew... When he was dreaming about her, uh, he felt uh, uh, his heart started beating fast again when he dreamt about her. So he became yeah. alive. Very good. He came alive. So this kind of guy, this is good. A resurrection poem. Good. Um, he because he didn't get to die by her side. The only way his heart will stop beating is if he actually when it's actually next to her. And so, kind of the last stanza is a repeat of the first stanza, no? Except he isn't just waking up from sleep. He's actually rising from the grave, good. Um, which is why it fits very well into Horror Week, um, where he's rising from the grave and he's crawling towards her window because only in her arms can he die. So it's basically a zombie poem, good guys. Um, 
it's a zombie poem where he's kind of like crawling out of the grave and crawling towards her so that he can die again in her in her arms it's so creepy um and i want the leaders can you share the things i told you about percy b shelley no um particularly guys i mean there's already a lot of poetic meaning in it since his wife was mary shelley who again wrote frankenstein and the whole point of frankenstein is bringing people back from the dead and it's so timing for me that um percy b shelley then also wrote this love poem um when Mary Shelley wrote a novel about raising people from the grave. Good. And then can the leaders share other facts about Percy B. Shelley and Mary Shelley? Okay, so the weird thing is when Percy drowned and died, he was cremated, so they burned his body. But when they were burning his body, for some reason, his heart will not burn. So they were burning his body, but his heart will not burn. And then they, that something in other historical documents, it said that he had this rare heart disease where the heart will not burn. So later, they just gave his dead heart to his wife, Mary. And for years, she kept it with her. And no one knew this, but when she died, eventually, they found his heart and they buried it beside their son that, who died of miscarriage. So that's kind of like a connection. Nah. Oh, he resurrected. Yeah, but this part also did not burn. So it's like the co-anchor, like the guy in the poem who wanted to die beside her, but this time he left his heart for her, right? Yeah, and that's what's so cool, guys. No, this part did like because I read the poem before I knew about this, but when I did research on Shelley, I found it so fascinating that that um, this this thing is so weird. No, because he died a very mysterious death. He went out into the ocean on a stormy day, and then he drowned. His ship, um, his boat sank. No, and he drowned, and then they burned his body and. His body burned except for his heart. Like his heart, you know, he had a heart disease that kind of covered his heart in an unburnable, I don't know, substance or chemical. So his heart didn't burn. And so Mary Shelley kept it. And then a detail to get about it is that she actually wrapped it up you know, in his poetry, in kanang his poetry drafts. Yang wrapped, she wrapped his heart in it. And she kept it hidden on her desk for the rest of her life. And they only found it after she died, in which they buried it with um beside the the body of their son, who she lost, no? She had a miscarriage. And that's actually what inspired her to write Frankenstein. There's actually a movie about this guys. It's called Mary Shelley. Um, and I think the actors of Mary Shelley and Percy B. Shelley did a very, very good job. Um, in portraying them. So you can check out the trailer of that, no? And actually, another poet that was there was Lord Byron, who um, I don't think we'll have the time to discuss now, but can maybe some of you, um, the leaders, talk about Lord Byron, please? Um, so that at least they'll, they'll have an introduction to Lord Byron and they can read the poem on their own. Okay, so Lord Byron, guys, he was a very immoral man with this dark attraction and in historical documents some hated him and called him like a monster 
But some were so attracted to him though because of his darkness. So um, if Z can like share a picture, like they couldn't get his image right because some said he was hunchback, some said he was guapo, and for some reason Nanya has a crush on him. So weird because he looks so creepy. Z, can you share? Girls, try to um, see if you would fall for Lord Byron. Yeah, guys, kind of divided good kaayo ang thing about Lord Byron, no? Because kind of what what the leader said, no? Half of the half of historians really call him a monster good. Like he was dark. He was he he was a bit of a hunchback, said guys. Like he kind of had a bit of a a, a stoop, no, to him. Um, pero and the other half of historians and of historical accounts of him. Describe him good as being like irresistible good kono. Like people are so drawn to his mystery and to his darkness. Um, but the other half call him a monster good, which is again why he fits very well into into um, horror week. Um, and he was good, very creepy, and he was actually friends with Mary Shelley and Percy B. Shelley. They kind of had a, a weird relationship with Lord Byron, where they were both also very drawn towards his darkness. Good. Um, and he was actually the reason why Frankenstein was written, since um, they had a vacation, Percy B. Shelley, Mary Shelley, and Lord Byron, they were kind of staying in this, in this gothic manor for um, a weekend. And it was a stormy night, and they were bored, and Lord Byron kind of put out a challenge, yeah, who can write the best horror story? And that's actually what started Mary writing Frankenstein. So, connected to Percy B. Shelley, Mary Shelley, and Lord Byron. Um, and you can read his poem in your textbook. It's called The Destruction of Sennacherib. It's actually um, based on the biblical true story about um, the destruction of the Assyrian army. Um, so, the thing about Lord Byron was he loved... He said the more exotic a poem was, the better. And so he would write about far-off lands and and historical st- stories. Um, that's what he liked writing about. Which for me is weird because um, he, he, he wrote about a biblical story, but he was a very immoral man. Like, very, very immoral. He died, actually, of several um, STDs. No? Um, he died of... He had so many different... Um, sexually transmitted diseases and it was like rotting his body and that's actually what he died of so um creepy said chaos lord byron okay um leaders do you have anything to add yeah um uh earlier in this podcast uh snow was about to answer a question but then i let isa take the question and i'm still taking that to my heart i feel bad about that so snow I'm gonna give you a chance to answer question for a weekend, like give you a grade. So, so now in your story that was assigned to you, the new kid. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is the same story as Craig's, wherein there were three kids who walked into a yeah. restaurant, and then one of the kids died. So, Snow, in this story, why do you? Um, what did you do in this situation, where there's this kid inviting you? You, ha- you barely know this kid what and he's like pretty popular what would you do in his situation i should never get jealous of him i should get to know him first before getting jealous immediately 
Right. Like I should start as a nice person first. Okay, good, good. That's great. Okay, so do you do what? So in the story, one of the kids were uh one of the kids died, but then in the end he was still alive. So why do you think what do you think could have could have happened during that time where he was dead to the time where he was actually alive? What do you think happened there? He must have resurrected the kid who died. Yeah, maybe he could have resurrected. Maybe he was thinking I'll about the just like in Phantom in the yeah. So Julian, do you want to start off the outro of this podcast? Okay, so before we end, do you guys want to guess your roles or reveal it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um so guys we have Pennywise as our special guest. Say hi to him. Hello. Hi guys. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, I hated my role by the way. I had to stop it mid. Like I couldn't because my role was to scold people, which is why I was like scolding, scolding Konohai, but it was so weird. So I just got rid of it later on and put on a Pennywise filter na lang. <laughs> um so kana no when I was being like guys, like you're not energetic enough. That was because the group told me to scold you guys. Yeah, <laughs> but Very I'm not scary. very good at it. Yes, <laughs> I put on a filter, na lang. Oh, so yeah, and I want to know the others. I feel yeah, like guys, someone, I feel Adrian being held hostage or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. 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 okay. Okay, who else? Is Isa the police or something? like trying to creep us out or something. Is Isa here? Oh no! Oh, Isa, Mark, no, disconnected cigarettes. Isa, what's your role is to creep out Aldrian? Oh, just oh, Aldrian. No. Yeah. What? Okay. What's Liam, guys? Who like stares a lot and? Liam, go reveal your role. See. I'm supposed to stare at the camera the entire time. Oh, ah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who else? Wait, hold on. First, uh, Craig, uh, you're doing a really bad impression of me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Nice one. Okay. Yeah. Snow, does anyone to guess Snow's role? Was Zandra joining and rejoining part? Was that her role? Or was, did she just have a bad internet connection? I don't know. That's not her role, true. Hello, I'm Zandra. Because I was like, oh my, did they tell Zandra to like disconnect over and over again? Like, her girl, role was, um, Johnny is breaking down her door. Uh, gir- I was, I feel like, I thought Zandra was like girl with unstable internet or something. <laughs> and I was like, hello, oy, that's... That's the real horror story, good. Yeah. Does anyone know Snow's role? It's very recent. Snow, do you have to reveal your role? Sure. Can I reveal it now? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's Noah. It's my real name. (laughs) Yeah, my real name is Noah, so yeah. (laughs) Okay, Sydney, what's your role? 
Skynet, but I don't know who Skynet. What? What? You don't know who? What? Then you should have asked. No, like, I I searched it up, but it said like keep on glitching and stuff. So I kept on glitching. Yeah. What else? Okay, I'll just shut up. <sighs> you, what was your role? Tell. Uh, do you guys want to guess? Who? Matthew. Uh, I was Matthew. supposed to say a phrase that Foxy kept saying. But then one time I was supposed to say it, I got wrong in a question, so it felt awkward to say the phrase. <laughs> what was it, Zigani? No, let Matthew say the phrase. Let Matthew say okay. the phrase. Okay. You can be a pirate, but first you have to lose an eye and an arm. That was... With voice acting. Voice With acting? acting? Yes. Bro, okay. <laughs> Do it for the grade. You can be a pirate, but first you have to lose an iron arm. Okay. <laughs> so thank you guys for being in our podcast and um, doing this ma- very many activities that we were just goofing off around, like doing the roles, talking about our stories, and even discussing the poems. So I would like to... Close this concert, um, this podcast with a little video. Let me share screen it. Beware, this is gonna be cringe. ends this podcast episode thank you so much for the listeners and also all of you guys who participated and i hope you enjoyed all of you who participated and those listeners and we will see you in the next one goodbye everyone unmute and say goodbye come on bye 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 bye